Well, good morning, everyone. I want to start off by thanking the middle schoolers, Zach and Olivia, our new middle school pastors, and um, Allison and Taylor, our, our youth group leaders. Um, they're helping us out today. There's some stuff going on. So first thing that's happening is they're passing around saltine crackers. For you gluten-free people, just watch someone else do it. I couldn't find a gluten-free saltine. Um, so what I want you to do is take the saltine, and I just want you to eat it. And here's my challenge. Don't drink anything until you're outside after the service. That's a, that's a legit challenge. What I want to do today is I want you to feel thirsty while you're um, listening today. Because I want, one, I want you to remember it, and two, I want you to use all of your senses. And so what I want us to be today is first century Jews, right, during the time of Jesus. Can we agree that that's what we're pretending to be today? Um, and I want you to feel thirsty. So eat that cracker. And try your best, unless you're in a coughing fit or something like that, not to drink anything until you're outside. Those popsicles are going to taste so good when, when your mouth's all dry. Okay, let's start. We're, we're going to be in the, the festival of Sukkot. Um, you've also heard it as the festival of tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, right? In this period of time in Jerusalem, we're commemorating the time where we were in the desert, um, where we didn't have a home, and so uh, if we have a roof, if we're living in Jerusalem, we build a little booth up on top um, and it, to simulate living in a tent, okay? And a lot of people in this room would be from somewhere else. You might have traveled from Alexandria or Syria or Ethiopia and come a long way because there's three festivals throughout the year in Jerusalem that you're kind of obligated to come to unless you have a really good excuse, and this is one of them. So Jerusalem be blows up really big. Okay, and there's people, tents everywhere. For you young people, this would be similar to like if Coachella came to your city. <laughs> for people my age, think of Bonnaroo comes to your city. And for some of you older people, think of Woodstock comes to your city. Okay, so everyone's living in tents everywhere. It's a big party. It's really fun. People are staying up all night. They pay, some people would say, hey, uh, when do you sleep during Sukkot? And they say, well, you really don't, but... It's so tight in there that sometimes there's enough people around where you could just sleep standing up. That's literally what some people have said about it. Okay, today we're specifically talking about one ritual that happened every day of Sukkot, and it's called the Simchat Beit Hashoava. Can you say that with me? Simchat Beit Hashoava literally means rejoicing at the place of the water drawing. Okay, this was such a big deal, especially at the time of Jesus, that one, in the Babylonian Talmud, the Talmud and the Mishnahs are, are, are groups of writings that have been collected when these discussions of, of, of culture and, and the Torah would happen. Um, there was a man who said, he who has not seen the rejoicing at the place of the water drawing has never seen rejoicing in his life. That's a pretty big statement. And it's big enough and people believed it enough to where it stayed in the Talmud. Um, so basically saying, you don't know what joy is if you haven't seen the water drawing. That's a, kind of, that's a huge statement. I just, I'm flabbergasted that that stayed in there like that. But somebody thought that. So every day when the cock crows, everyone runs over to the temple. Okay? So here we are. Let's just put ourselves in the situation. We're all from a place where water isn't just available all over the place, right? We're all from places, desert lands, or desert, or at least arid lands, and does anyone any know how many water sources there are in Jerusalem? There's one. It's the Pool of Siloam, right? So water is life for all of us, and it's not guaranteed. 
I'm going to say that again. Water is life, and it's not guaranteed. Okay, before we make a trip, we're going to talk about the ulav, the lulav, and the etrog. You guys hold up your lulavs and etrogs? Okay. <laughs> so the lulav is it's a palm, a myrtle, and a willow branch tied together, and an etrog is a citron fruit. These are actually lemons, but they look very, very similar, right? And so if you're at the, at the festival of Sukkot, you'd have these with you at all, all times. And so there are certain times you wave this, and there certain times you wave that. We don't have time to go into all of that. But basically, like, if you're at Coachella, you have your little lanyard with your ticket to make sure you belong there. And, and at Sukkot, you have your lulav and the etrog. Big deal. Okay, so we are going to go from the Temple Mount to the Pool of Siloam. Joel, Chuck, and Susan, you guys just got back from Jerusalem. How far is the temple to the Pool of Siloam? It's walkable. It's not that far, right? And so today, it's going to be from here to the back. If you turn around, you'll see the Pool of Siloam back there, right? (laughs) So we're going to do it. All right, guys, you ready? Get your lulav and your etrog. And it starts, I tried to find a horn player, but all horn players at Platte Park Church are out of town this week. So I'm going to give you uh, the West Virginia version of a shofar. <laughs> so it, 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 we've got to do a long one, a short one, and a long one. <laughs> That's how we're going to start. Flute plays. Yeah, right? <laughs> and as we do this, this is a festive time. You guys are playing along perfectly right now. We're going to have a silver or a gold vessel that we're going to take down, and it's empty right now. And as we come, there's about 20 or 30 psalms that we'll be chanting and singing as we do this. And now we're at the Pool of Siloam. Excuse me, guys. (laughs) Okay, and we're going to recite a verse. Can you guys recite that for me? Behold, God is... And we're saying that as we fill up this bucket full of water from the Pool of Siloam. Now we're going to go back, right? We're going to say another one as we go back. Go ahead, flute. There we go. All right, so save now, Hosanna. I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee to send now prosperity. Okay, and in this, thank you guys so much. In this, this is because... Thank you. So this has become also, this added to this is, this is the last festival of the year. The Passover is the first. This is the last. And we're asking the Lord to give us rain throughout the year, okay? That's part of this as we're taking the water from the only source. All right. And so not yet. You're almost. This is my second priest. (laughs) This is my second priest. And when I get to this point... I'm going to get here, and you guys are going to yell out something. What are we going to yell out? Hold it higher. All right, let's do that again. Hold it higher. Okay, why did you guys say hold it higher? Exactly, because I told you to. But there's a reason for it. And the reason is politics. Okay? I, I know nobody likes to hear about politics these days, but what I want to talk about 
is if you want to understand some of these stories in the scriptures, politics play a big part in it. All right, you guys have heard of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, right? A lot of us just read our Bibles and we think Sadducees and Pharisees, they're kind of the leaders, they're all kind of the same. That's not really true. That would be like someone like 50 years from now looking back at us right now and saying, Republicans and Democrats, they're basically the same. They're just leaders of the country. But we don't, they wouldn't understand there's some tension, right? So between the, the, um, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, there's tension. Historically, the Sadducees, it, the Sadducee comes from the word Zadokite, actually. And Zadok was the priest during the times of um, David and Solomon, okay? And so they came from that line. So for a while, you could trace the steps back to David and Solomon, Zadokites, the Sadducees. Um, a couple things about them is they only believed in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, okay? They didn't believe in, um, you know, as far as, they, they didn't mind these books, but like the Psalms and the prophets, um, Kings, Proverbs, those kind of things, that, that wasn't scripture to them. And if it wasn't in those first five books, they wouldn't believe in it. So they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in uh, like unseen spiritual things, angels, demons, those kind of things. That wasn't part of who they were. And their whole world revolved around the temple. Okay, That's why in AD 70, when the temple was destroyed by Rome, Sadducees kind of ceased to exist, and all their, all their writings were kind of burned. And so we don't really know a whole lot about them, to be honest. However, you'd know a, fair, a Sadducee because a lot of times they would be wealthier. They'd kind of be the elite and they would hold positions of higher power. That's the Sadducees, okay? Pharisees were more kind of down-to-earth people as we, as we think about them compared to the Sadducees. They believed in the entire Tanakh, which is the, you know, the law, the prophets, um, the wisdom writings, all of that. And they believed in it. And they liked to sit around and talk about it and figure out how do we apply this to our lives to follow this to be closer to God, right? We would more consider ourselves more in that category, probably here at Platt Park, I would think. Um, no one ever wants to be called the Pharisee, but today, for these purposes, um, they were the kind of people that we resemble the most. They were more popular among the people. Josephus said they lived a simpler lifestyle. just more down to earth. So the Sanhedrin is like the Senate, and both of these exist in it. Um, you'll see the, um, the, the, the Sadducees will have higher offices a lot of times, but there's still a little bit of power in both. And so back to the story. What did they say? Hold it higher. Why did they say that? Again, it's a story. 50 years ago, there was a man named Alexander Janius. Okay? So somehow... Um, in, in the Sanhedrin, they decided to allow the water ceremony to take place. The Sadducees just wanted the wine to be poured out, right? So let's do this first, how it should be. So at, if we do it right, you would say, hold it higher, and I would pour this at the same time as priest number two would pour the, the wine, right? See that visual? All right, you better get out of here. <laughs> Priest number two. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so Alexander Janius was a Sadducee, and we decided in the Sanhedrin, somehow the Pharisees won out, that we're going to do the water and the blood. Sadducees said, don't do the water because it's not in the Torah. Okay, that's not in the first five books, but it was part of the oral tradition, the water, 
of the pool of Siloam became a part of it. The Pharisees won, so they're already very excited about that. So this elevates it a little bit in the minds of the Pharisees to make this a bigger deal because we finally won something, you know, against the Sadducees. So we came out. So one year, this is about 50 years ago for us here, if we're Jews in this time. It's about 50 years ago. Alexander Janius, and if you're a Pharisee, you boo Alexander Janius. He's the worst. So he was the Sadducee priest in my position. Coming up, we came up here. Everyone's got their lulav and their, their, their uh, etrog. So as a kind of contempt, saying, I don't want to do this. I don't believe this should be in here. Instead of pouring with the, with the wine here the way it's supposed to be done, he poured it on his feet. Oh! Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, oh. And that literally happened. That, that, if you're wondering why I'm wearing these sandals to preach today, that's, that's, what hap- that's why. He poured it on his feet in the sign of contempt. Thank you, guys. You can grab those. And... <laughs> Lemon just rolled into someone's guitar bag. <laughs> so that's a true story. And because of that, that's when you started to yell, hold it higher. One, you're not going to pull one over on us. And two, it's just like, we want to make sure you're, you're doing this right and you're pouring it. And because it became such a big deal that more people would come. And God elevated this just normal ritual. Before this, it was just part of the ceremony. But now it became this huge deal. And if you're a Pharisee, this is how we win. And we say, hold it higher. All this is kind of sticking it to the Sadducees a little bit. Is that a good thing? No, probably not. And does God think that that's a wonderful thing to, all right, we're just going to do this and make it a big, big deal to stick it to the Sadducees? He probably doesn't love that. But what I want to say today is that God used divisive politics to make something greater because he had a plan for it. Can I say that again? <laughs> God used divisive politics for his own purposes to make something greater. That's good news, right? I don't know if you're like me. It's like, oh, gosh, we, can we ever get along again? And can God use this kind of stuff? But he did. And this is, a, this is a good example of him doing that. So another thing that happened, when you would yell, and this is a part where I'm going to kind of be freestyling a little bit. Because there was a moment of silence during this ceremony, and nobody knows exactly when it was. So I'm going to just throw it somewhere. Is that okay? You guys give me, it. this isn't gospel. But there, there was a pause in the ceremony. So I'm just going to say, when you say, hold it higher, I'm going to hold it here. And everyone wants to get a look at it because that's joy, right? But let's say the pause was here. So we're going to have a pause. And during this time, while it's held up here, we start to think, and we reflect, we listen to the wind. It gets that quiet. You listen to the wind. We reflect on the spiritual significance of the water coming from the one source, us asking the God for water, for life, for sustenance. And it's also, there's a relaxing into the love of God during this ceremony because he has given this water. He has sustained us through all this time. We look back on the time in the desert. He was the water. He gave us life through all of it, right? So this is what we're doing. We're basking and relaxing in the love of God as we do this. And that's why it's so joyful for everyone. This is a procession of receiving God's love, and it's free. You have the wine, which costs something, right? It's something's crushed. It's valuable. You have the water, which is free, and they're together. And this is a symbol of life and joy, 
And when they're poured out together, it's pointing towards the Holy Spirit that's to come. Okay? We got all that in our heads? Isn't that a fun story? Some guy gets pelted with citrons and, yeah, it's so funny. And you get to read all this stuff. It's all the mission and the Talmud. You see these things. Okay, so this happened every morning. So on the last, get your stuff ready, on the last and greatest day of the festival, it's, we, we read, um, everything is heightened, okay? So all of us have been out partying all night. You may not have done that the entire festival, but definitely on this night you would have. And so if you read about it, they have different levels within, like, the temple grounds where people could be. So the women were separated from the men, not to get, because I think there was drinking involved. But you'd stay up all night and you'd be dancing. You hear all these stories of priests that could juggle taint, eight, eight things of fire at the same time. It was a party. I mean, it was a super party at, all, all, all week long. But that night was huge. And you get to re- hear about, you know, all the lighting. The, it was just lit up all night. I mean, I don't think you could sleep in Jerusalem during this week. So the cock crows in the middle of your party, and everyone takes off to the temple. So let's do it again, guys. You ready? And this is just, we're just going to do the exact same thing. We're going to take our empty silver vessel. All right, here we go. <laughs> Oh, yes, you're right. All right. All right, here we go. (laughs) And again, we're chanting all these psalms on the way down. They're the same ones. We know it by now. We've been doing it all week. Super fun. All right, and let's say our thing again. Well, it's not silver. <laughs> Wells of salvation. And here we go again. Save now, Hosanna, I beseech thee. O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. All right, we're here. What do you guys say? We're going to hold it higher, and let's just take a moment to reflect. Does that change the story for anybody? That's when he did it, probably. It was on this day. There was a time in here where everyone could have heard him. And Jesus stands up with all that symbolism, with all that we're rejoicing about. And he stands up and he says, hey, if any of you are thirsty, come to me. And then rivers of living water will eventually come out of you. Does that change a little bit? Just knowing that that's when it happened. 
and what, was, what they were all thinking at the time. And he said it in such a way that people weren't wondering who he thought he was at that point. <laughs> he was saying, all this thing that you're thanking me for and that you're asking me for and that you're hoping for, that's me. Just come to me. That's amazing, isn't it? Jesus, you would have known, because you know your scriptures so well, being the good Pharisees that you are, that he would have been referencing Isaiah 55. It says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's what he was referencing. He was claiming who he was at the time that they would have understood it at the time where they're feeling their thirst and they're waiting for the water to be poured out with the wine. You know, John, who, who tells us this story, this is in John 7. I would have told you that at the beginning, but it would have kind of ruined the rest of it, right? Yeah, um, it would been a huge spoiler alert. But um, so the spirit, he, in the, at the very end of the Bible, John says it right at the end in Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty let the, one who desi- let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Jesus stands up and he's offering himself. And the way to come get him is just to come. By the way, when we say, you know, we're, um, you will, with joy we'll draw waters from the well of salvation. It, literally, you would say the well of Yeshua, which was Jesus' name in Hebrew. And John is writing this again, and in just, this story just, the more you know about it, the more brilliant of a writer John becomes. In John 19, Jesus is on the cross. I'm just going to read you John 19, 28. Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. John knows that's going to make you think of something. And a couple verses later, Jesus dies on the cross. And oftentimes they break the legs so they'll die further, but he's already died further. That's a smart thing to say. <laughs> Dead's dead. Well, except when it comes to Jesus, I guess. Um, <laughs> so in John, 30, John 19, 33. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his sides with a spear, bringing... A sudden flow of water and blood. John knew that this is what you'd be thinking of when he wrote that. Isn't that fascinating? So even after his death, there it is. He told us he was that. It brings us all back to that. And then, you know, we're here, here we are, and we're in our last, um, last Sunday in a series on Pentecost. Pentecost was the total fulfillment of this. Because, you know, when the, the, the combination of those two things was pointing to the Holy Spirit that was to come. And Jesus said, if you come to me, livers, rivers of living water will pour out of you. That happened at Pentecost. When his spirit came down upon us, then all of a sudden these people not only came to drink, but people could come and drink from them. So it's the same today. We're back in 2023 today, sitting in Platte Park Church. He's saying the same thing. Come. If you're thirsty... Come. One of our biggest problems is we live lives that we never experience our thirst. So I have to give you a cracker at the beginning so you'll experience it a little bit, you know. And 
Sometimes we experience thirst by giving up some things. You know, some people fast and some people don't look at their TV or their phones for a few days. Then you, the, all of a sudden you start to feel this thirst, this hunger that you didn't know was there. And if, if you're not feeling thirsty or hungry right now, that's a good thing to try to see, what, see what's there. Because I guarantee it's there. It's what we're made to do. So Jesus is not only the one who can quench our, thir- quench our thirst, but the one that causes these living waters to run in us. So as we come to communion today, we're coming. We're coming to receive him, exactly what he asked in this time of this festival. So receive his love as you're receiving him, as you're coming down to receive his body and his blood. Make the move. From now on, I would just, I would just invite you for the rest of your life, every time you're bringing anything to your mouth to drink, think of this. Think, in, one of the things I'll do sometimes is before I eat something, I'll say, God, you are, you know, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. So I'll say, you know, if I'm eating pizza, Jesus, you're the pizza of life. <laughs> Thank you for being that. So when I'm drinking something, I want to say, Jesus, you are the water of life. I come to you even in this little moment, and I remember both your provision and the hunger in me and the thirst in me. And thank you for quenching that thirst. And take a pause to bask in that. Anybody have any questions? (laughs) You always laugh. Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you. Jesus, you are the water of life. Lord, we know that life isn't always guaranteed, but and water isn't always guaranteed, but we come to you. You give us the invitation. All we have to do is come. There's no conditions. You just say, if you're thirsty, come. It doesn't cost anything. I'm not going to charge you anything. And not only will I give you something to drink and quench your thirst, but you'll, give us, you'll make us streams and reservoirs of water that other people can come to. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you sent during the time of Pentecost. Lord, we ask you for more of it. Lord, we're so grateful for who you are and who you are in us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.